welcome you to our Easter 2020 Tenebrae Good Friday service. This is a Friday like no other Friday. And today we want to encourage you to gather, gather your family and do everything you can to quiet the home, quiet your breathing, to sit back. Because you see, today we remember the journey that would forever change the course of time. Now we've got something very special planned for your children. And in and during this service today, you will see an overlay that will appear on the screen. When you do, give them another device and follow the overlay because there is a very special program just for them. But hold them with you for now because we're first going to travel together and we first as a family going to partake in communion and we will give instruction to that just a little later. You see, Tenebrae is all about shadows and light. The Bible says this, that God is so gracious that He would cause the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. But when Jesus was hanging on that cross, when the spotless Lamb of God was made sin for us, even the sun went dark. The world became just like it was before God came up on the scene. And for three horrible hours in silence, our Savior was hanging there. And we're going to take that journey, experience the narrative, listen to the scriptures, and hear the songs. Let's be present. Let's travel together. Let's anticipate and let us remember. Verses 17 through 29. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not even been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. 
While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So at this time, I'm going to encourage you to go into your kitchen and find a cup, a glass, and get some juice, get some wine, get some water, get some crackers, because these are symbols, are tactile things for us to remember. Keep your kids in the room, because together we're going to be experiencing what Jesus modeled to his disciples in that upper room. Because he wanted them forever to remember every time they see the symbol, the symbol is but a sign of something that we can never forget. So right now, we're going to listen to a beautiful, beautiful song. And again, don't get all tied up that you will get the wrong thing. What is so important, it looks different, but it points to the very same thing that we will remember together. Together we're going to partake in communion. I read something so powerful. It says a symbol is a visible sign or representation of an idea or quality of another object. They make us aware of certain things without the need of speech, language, or evidence. Now Jesus, when he gathered his disciples together, he wanted to leave with us as people a symbol a sign, something that is so tactile, something we could touch, 
something that we could taste, something we could smell, a moment to remember. They didn't understand at the time, but we, today as we sit, can understand what we're about to partake and what it points to. In this season, as the world experiences so much loss, we get to enter this space together from our rooms, our living rooms, our homes, watch parties, maybe you in a hospital room. But we enter the space tonight and we participate and partake in communion, remembering the very reason for our hope. You know, hours before uh, Jesus was crucified, the very last night, as he gathered his disciples around the table, he encouraged them to eat, to break bread, to drink the wine in remembrance, giving thanks. And Jesus, that same moment, was breaking bread and giving thanks in the light of his own soon-to-be broken body. And tonight as we come together, we remember that giving thanks is central to our faith. By remembering his body that is broken, we remember what he did for us. And we are reminded how he puts us back together in this broken, fractured world. And so tonight as you hold this piece of bread or cracker or whatever you have in your hands, I invite you to just quiet your heart and mind. And as we take participate in this moment, just to remind ourselves that no matter what happens around us, there is an unchanging identity we have because of what Jesus did for us. And I want to just read something from 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so tonight as we hold this bread, I am just reminded that he is the bread of life. And as we break this bread just break the cracker in your hand. We are reminded that his body was broken for us to make us whole again. Let's partake. In the same way, Jesus lifted a cup and he poured wine into the cup. He says, you will not understand because even now as I'm telling you this, darkness is ascending. Because the enemy want to stop the power that would come through the blood of the sacrifice of the life, the spotless lamb of God. Because you see, he says, this blood is a new promise. It's a promise of forgiveness. It's a promise of undeserving grace. It's a promise of protection. It's a promise that will open the veil that kept us away from God. It's a promise that will remind us that we don't have to carry guilt. We don't have to carry shame. And if we sin, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive because the blood that Jesus shed was the price that he paid for our freedom. The very arrest warrant was nailed to the cross and the blood of Jesus became the payment for what you and I could not pay for ourselves. So as we drink this together, let's remember what Christ has done.
Father, as we drink, we want to thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you came and you willingly lay down your life for us all. to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me with for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, 
if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of, the, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Mark 15, 1 through 5. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Mark 15, 16 to 32. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium, and they called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on him. Then they led him away to be crucified. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, 
and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe in him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Matthew 27, 45 through 54. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge he filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to people. When the centurion and those who were with them guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and everything that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God.
Isaiah 52, verse 13, through Isaiah 53, verse 5. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Into the shadows I wandered all. You were the shepherd that sought my heart Where would I hide that you couldn't see? Ready or not, you would come for me Ready or not, you would come for me Oh, my soul sings, you are faithful you are faithful to the end. Let my heart sing because you know me and you love me to the end. Oh, my soul, oh, my soul sings. You are faithful. You are faithful to the end. Let my heart, let my heart sing because you know me and you love me to the end. Hallelujah, hallelujah, to the 
Matthew 27, 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, was with one of Jesus' followers, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in long linen cloth. He placed it in his own tomb, which he had carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance as he left. But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting nearby, and they were watching. The next day, on the first day of Passover ceremonies, the leading priest and the Pharisees went to go see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what this deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will be raised from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming in and stealing his body and then telling everyone he came back to life. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted the guards to protect it. Were you?